Live from New York City, it's the Gary Knoll Show. And now, your host, Gary Knoll. Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. No guests today, so we can share insights on different issues that are important to our well-being. Of course, we always begin with health and living a longer life. I'm going to talk about black beans. I'm going to talk about Alzheimer's, Big Pharma, and coconut oil. I'm going to give you the best herbs and plants to stabilize and boost your thyroid function. And if you're over 35 or 40, you'll probably need that. How fish oils link to structural changes in the human brain. And a lot more on health and healing. Then a lot of different issues, including a commentary from Common Dreams and Ken Redigan. Why do we hate the poor? That's an interesting short commentary. I've chosen all short commentaries. We'll also look at neurotube birth defects occur at 400% the national rate near Hanford Nuclear Site. We'll also take a look at, at who is foreign aid for. Now, we've always assumed that when our government says they give a certain amount of foreign aid to a country, it goes to the poor. It does not. I'll tell you who it goes to. Also, the perils of looking into the womb using ultrasound. But we've been told there's no risks. Dr. Kelly Brogan of Green Med Info begs to differ from our public health segment, genetically tweaked chicken. Hmm. Well, they're suffering from a lack of fertility. Oh, does that mean the end of the commercial poultry is near? Hope so. Brian Shohavy of Health Impact News. Also, big corporations have an overwhelming amount of power over our food. This is an important issue from Michael Snyder, Economic Collapse. How the Clintons instigated dangerous confrontations with Russia, John Walsh, Counterpunch. And if time permits, I have more. But also, I'm going to be taking your calls. We're going to open our lines up in our lines. Write this down because if you want to get in and ask a question, make a statement, share a thought. 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. Also, we have more people using the telephone to listen to this radio program than any of the other 4,000 stations in North America using it. I'm going to give you two numbers because sometimes one is full. So if you're ever traveling, you want to listen in on this program, you call the following numbers. 401-347-0456. That's 401-347-0456 or 712-432-7231. Let's begin. A lot of people don't eat beans which is unfortunate because it's a terrific source of minerals and amino acids. In fact, when you realize, how do people around the world who don't have the availability of meat or because of their tradition or religion don't eat meat, such as people in India, or how about in South America? Or how about in for decades in Asia where it was occasionally eaten? 
but the staple were grains and beans. It's because all eight essential amino acids, essential to our health, come in the form of beans. Now, according to the National Polytechnic Institute, there's antihypertensive and antioxidant activity in black beans. We also know that black beans are one of the most nutritional, dense foods you can eat. Now, beans are one of the most important crops, for example, in the Mexican diet. And, in fact, the country is one of the top ten producers of this legume in the world. And several studies have reflected the correlation between when you eat the black beans, you end up with less cardiovascular disease, obesity, and diabetes. Therefore, the National School of Biological Sciences of the National Polytech Institute conducted an investigation, and here's what they found. Lo and behold, black beans help lower high blood pressure. Well, that's a good thing. There's great protein in them, and that can help remove heavy metals from the body. That's terrific as well. The title of the article was Enzymatic Hydroslates of Chipata Black Bean with Antihypertensive Activity. But just in lay language, it just means that, that when you eat black beans, you're going to be healthier and could lower your blood pressure and get rid of lead, cadmium, mercury from the body. We have an epidemic of dementia and Alzheimer's memory loss in this country today. I'm doing a lot of research on this, and I have throughout my entire adult career. I've studied uh, how we age, what causes us to age, and I've shared that in articles, commentaries, specials on PBS. And it comes down to this. What causes inflammation? Hot dogs, hamburgers, french fries, pizza, fluoride in the water, vaccines, alcohol, processed sugars, artificial sweeteners, caffeine. All that can cause destruction inside the body. It causes an increase in what are called prostaglandins and also cytokines. That in turn damages neurons in the brain. And it can also snap the um, dendrites that are like the lines of communication from cell to cell. Just visualize a power outage when you have a uh, hurricane because the overhead telephone lines are snapped and come down. That's what happens after you drink alcohol. But I mean a lot of snapping goes on. And that's why, not in the moment, but 5, 10, 15 years later, the person who has been drinking will end up having memory loss. So the rush is on not to reverse Alzheimer's or to prevent Alzheimer's. You would think that would be the number one issue that all of our all of our efforts at the scientific level would be to say, here's what causes inflammation. But that's never going to happen. It's not possible for anyone in the federal government to ever be honest about the cause of Alzheimer's. They can't be. They've got to say it's genetic, and they've got to say, well, you know, uh, it's nothing we can really do. All we can do is kind of control the symptoms and take your meds for the rest of your life. Why? Because they make their money off the meds. Do any of these meds work? No, they don't. They've never reversed a single case of Alzheimer's. I have. They haven't. There's a woman named Marie McGovern. She's probably listening right now. She's a very conscientious person. She has helped hundreds, if not thousands, of people who've reached out to her to see how she did it. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't any miracle 
pill or potion. It was just the fundamentals. Alkaline diet, lots of raw foods, lots of nutrients, lots of healthy eating, no unhealthy eating, no wheat, no meat, no dairy, no sugars, no artificial sweeteners, no caffeine, no artificial chemicals, lots and lots of green juices. Yeah, she did it the old-fashioned way. She went from being completely detached from reality in the sense of not being able to take care of herself and on her way to an assisted living center for people with Alzheimer's. She had been under treatment at Columbia University and New York University, but it didn't help her. Today, she's a fully functioning person. That is possible. You'd think that maybe someone pay attention. I've already presented her in person before a group of scientists at an international anti-aging symposium that I was one of the keynote speakers. I've been keynote many times because of the original studies that I do with humans on lifestyle and behavior interventions. But no, there were no people willing to follow up. No one seemed interested, which is part of this whole idea. If, if there's a better way of doing something, we'll do it. No, you won't. If there's a truth that we need to hear, we'll, we'll hear it. No, you won't. If there's a way that we can prevent disease, no, don't even go there. Crime, stop right now. Wars, you inflict wars. You don't stop them. So just about everything that we say, we do just, just the opposite. And we all know this. So here's Big Pharma, and here's what Natural Society has to say about it. Quote, a few years ago, Dr. Mary Newport's discovery of using coconut oil to reverse her husband's advanced Alzheimer's disease made a big splash in the alternative health media. Some of this splash managed to wet a few pages of the mainstream media, and Dr. Newport wrote a book about her discovery for her husband's turnaround called Alzheimer's Disease, What If There Was a Cure? The Story of Ketones. Meanwhile, others who were showing early signs of dementia worse picked up the news with the same attitude Mary had. What's there to lose? Thus a movement towards using saturated fat coconut oil for demented uh, dementia prevention and reversal with spawn with mostly successes. Actually, the use of high saturated fat diets to create ketones was created by Johns Hopkins Medical School in the 1920s. Ketones are produced easily to provide fuel for the brain when carbohydrate metabolism fails within the brain. But a few decades later, the medical mafia decided that saturated fats are bad and cholesterol especially LDL, the bad cholesterol, just had to go in order to prevent obesity and heart disease. Well, the dogma caught on in the processed food industry had a field day promoting low or no-fat foods, margarine and unsaturated fat, processed hydrogenated cooking oil and salad oils. Yet obesity and heart disease have skyrocketed beyond anything that you could imagine. Looks like this was the wrong theory after all. Frustratingly, even alternative health writers tend to still report how a Food or supplement lowers cholesterol, sometimes to make people feel better about their food choices. There have been three attempts since 2012 to create an effective and not too terribly toxic pharmaceutical solution to Alzheimer's. They all failed and even caused worsening conditions with an occasional death during testing. Meanwhile, good old coconut oil with its easily digested medium-chain triglycerides, which convert to ketones for brain cell fuel, when an oxygen carbohydrate metabolism fails, it keeps on working for many. The brain is comprised mostly of fats, the saturated kind. Cholesterol is needed to fuel neuron communication. It's 
been discovered that high cholesterol blood levels, uh, geriatric folks live longer without dementia than those with cholesterol counts uh, that are different. By the way, did you know that all cholesterol is the same? It's the tiny proteins, the shell carriers, that are different to accommodate different structures, structural and arterial repair purposes for your benefit, including manufacturing vitamin D from the sun. This ex- helps explain why statin drugs are so harmful and promote heart disease and Alzheimer's. So that's their position. Here's what I would share. I believe that it's saying too much and proving too little. Because I've had the benefit of seeing so many programs come and go and be hyped and miracle cures for everything, but when looked at very carefully, it's not there. Coconut oil is important. It's important, I've suggested, of course, for people with AIDS-defining illnesses, people with immune dysfunction, because it really helps kill bacteria and viruses. For people with Lyme's disease, it's a definite benefit. For dementia, also. But it's not a miracle. And I don't want people to be misled to think that by taking a single substance, all those problems are going away. If that were the case, then we would see a whole lot of people in the alternative health field who've tried it sustain their success. The key is, do you sustain the benefits? And it's only when we take a multifaceted approach do we see it sustained. So there is some truth in it, just like macrobiotics, just like raw food, just like juicing. There is some truth, but it's not the whole truth. And generally, the people promoting this concept are not looking, pulling back and looking at the whole story. There was a conference that was held in New York City um, over 25 years ago. Many of you, I'm sure, attended because it was packed. There were over 1,400 people during the day. I'd invited into New York every complimentary physician from around the world who had proven, and I had verified it by five-year investigation, meaning following patients who were diagnosed as terminally ill by orthodox medicine, given up, who only used that particular doctor's treatments, and five years later were disease-free and alive. So there was Dr. Emanuel Rivisi from New York City, Dr. Joseph Issels from Germany, there was Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. Uh, I had Dr. Al-Qaidi from Panama, Florida. Dr. Virginia Livingston-Wheeler from California. I had all told seven physicians, and each spoke for an hour and then took questions. Afterwards, we had dinner, and I took him out um, to a, a restaurant. And But I noticed that there were a lot of other people, were friends of theirs, I'm assuming, who came, and so there were a couple tables filled. Well, Robert Atkins came, and and I asked him, because I was a friend with Bob, I said, Bob, you know, why are you doing all this talking? He wanted to affiliate with Dr. Revisi. And uh, I said, Bob, the reality is your diet causes cancer. High saturated fats, heavily cooked foods, heterocyclic amines, too little carbohydrate, creating ketones in the body, which is not healthy because when you start giving the brain nothing but ketones, you're also going to get people who are going to be dizzy. You're going to get people who are dehydrated. You're going to have kidney and and heart problems. So you may cause them to lose some weight, 
because the meat they're eating creates satiety, meaning you're not as hungry. And most people are snacking on unhealthy food, bringing in the carbohydrates each day. And one, one piece of bread, one single piece of bread, and everything else is perfect. One extra piece of bread a day, and you're going to gain 10 pounds in a year from that one piece of bread. So I said, so why are you, you know, why do you want to hook up with people who have proven therapies? And we had this whole discussion. And then a person I'd never met said that, uh, that he had cured himself of cancer, and he had all these people around the country following his advice, and why didn't I invite him? And then he told me his name, and I said, uh, okay, fair enough. Where did you have your cancer diagnosed? Well, I diagnosed it myself. You mean you didn't have it at Sloan Kettering and the Anderson, one of the respected centers, Mayo Clinic? No. So you diagnosed your own cancer with a pancreas. You then took a bunch of supplements. You then now claim that you no longer have the cancer, therefore you cured yourself. I said, there's no basis in, in reality here. I said, every one of the people at this table uh, have cured thousands of people. I spent five years tracking them down. You know, I went to Isos Clinic, and there was 55,000 files. You can go through the files, and people were there going through the files, doctors from around the world. And the BBC did a special call, Go Climb the Mountain, on Dr. Issels, and they tracked down his terminal cancer patients from around the world. And lo and behold, Gordon Higginson, the executive producer of that special, found these people alive and well. And he has a, like 20 different approaches to his cancer. And Virginia Livingston Wheeler, one of the first uh, leading scientists in oncology in the United States, she has a whole detoxification protocol. I did not have uh, um, I did not have um, um, two people there who are very popular that once had a documentary done on them, and uh, because I never got evidence ever, they all claimed they had it. They never gave it to me. They were nailed. In America today. No one pays attention to the results, only your effort and how important you are to promoting the official treatments, the official diagnosis. So there's two realities, and that's also true in the mental health field. So in any case, we have a whole lot of Americans who are now facing memory loss, the beginning of dementia, dementia, advanced dementia, Alzheimer's, and death. It's not the 5 million with Alzheimer's. It's probably closer to 100 million people over the age of 45 who have some form of brain inflammation, negative impact, who should be paying attention. And now people's whole lives have been turned upside down because they're taking care of their parents and there's no answer within that establishment. And to try an alternative approach seems almost impossible because trying to get someone to comply with major changes and it requires major changes, not just taking some teaspoon of coconut oil. That's why when it comes to macrobiotics and raw food and juicing, all of those have something important, but none of them are a cure. They're just not. Next up, there are many people who have an underactive or malfunctioning thyroid. So from prevent disease, I wanted to give you a list of some things that you should consider. Not that you would take all of these, but rather probably one of them. 
such as Shisandra, S-H-I-S-A-N-D-R-A. It's the berries that are extremely powerful. They help cleanse the body and detoxify it. And there's good clinical research on it. So you might want to look at Shisandra. It's also good for your endocrine system, your immune system, your central nervous system, and your cardiovascular system. Rhodiola, R-H-O-D-I-O-L-A. It's an adaptogen, meaning that whatever your body needs at the chemical level, as a, if you're under physical stress, it will help you. It's also known as goldenrod, and uh, it's great for the brain. It's also great for the thyroid. And it's also great for the testes and ovaries. Ashwagandha, A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N-D-H-A. It's also called Indian ginseng, or poison gooseberry, or winter cherry. It's very common in India. It's used in Ayurvedic medicine. It's been used for thousands of years. And it helps reduce inflammation, decreases stress, and is great if you're fatigued. So ashwagandha is good for people with chronic fatigue syndrome. Also, bacopa, B-A-C-O-P-A. It's very important um, for the thyroid to help fight hypothyroidism. And uh, as an extract, bladderwrack, bladder, B-L-A-D-D-E-R-W-R-A-C-K. It's a seaweed. It's also called black tang, rockweed, um, bladder focus, focus uh, sea oak, black tanny, and uh, uh, rock rack. And it's very good in iodine. And then you have black walnut. And black walnut is a species of flowering tree of the walnut family. And it's been used to help with cancer therapies. It's very good at killing parasites in the intestine. And it's the fresh green hulls that are used in herbal medicine and are very important for the thyroid. Echinacea, very popular herb. It enhances immune system function, has anti-inflammatory and antiviral and pain-relieving properties. It's rich in alkalamines and polysaccharides. Erythro, E-U-E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O, And it's a broad-spectrum adaptogen, and it's uh, good for creating uh, benefit to the thyroid gland. Also, you have hawthorn leaf and berry. Now, most people think of hawthorn, you think, ah, there's something good for the circulatory system. treats angina, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, cardiac arrhythmia. And it's true. It's great for strengthening the heart, but it's also very good for uh, helping the thyroid. Lemon balm, which is a member of the mint family, is considered a calming herb, and it's uh, also beneficial for the thyroid gland. And those are some things that can make a difference. And finally, fish oil is linked to structural changes in the brain. This is from Brown University. Quote, this is published, by the way, in the peer-reviewed journal Alzheimer's and Dementia. Fish oil supplements may produce beneficial structural changes in the brain. This study is the first quote to report an association between fish oil and brain structural changes in all three cognitive diagnostic groups. These findings may suggest a potential role for fish oil supplements by reducing 
neurodegeneration over time. You bet. It protects the brain, and that's very important. I'm Gary Nall. Back in a moment, we're going to start to take calls. Our number is 888-874-4888, Before we take our break, this is a letter. Uh, Dear Gary, I'm writing to let you know how much I appreciate your movies about, quote, the seeds of death and the silent epidemic. I just wish more people would be aware of what is brewing out there and that the perfect storm has moved from the crop into the supermarket shelves into our bodies, and it's killing us. I'm a military veteran, and I've been healthy before I went to war. I was deployed to Kuwait in 2003 in order to support Operation Global Freedom. We were forced to get the anthrax vaccination. I think it was a series of six or so shots. I received them maybe only two or three because I got so sick afterwards with pneumonia. They were burning human waste 24-7 in Camp Morrell, where I was stationed. Nearby was The Rock, which was an Air Force base. After my return, I found out the hard way that now I had interstitial lung disease. I had cancer, so I had to have a total hysterectomy I have and have now anti-phosphorolipid syndrome, and von Wilderbrand's disease. One is a bleeding disorder. The other one is a clotting disorder. I also have arthritis, irritable bowel, chronic fatigue syndrome, and mood disorder. I also had a blood clot going into my lungs the same day as the hysterectomy, which they had to intubate me and place a greenfield filter into my inferior vena cava. I was in Artificial induced coma for about a week in May 2010. Nobody thought I would pull through. I claim the lung disease with the Veterans Administration, but they keep on denying my claim. It has been a uh, god-awful long battle. I won't give up. I found out that our government did another white coat project on us, CBs, using anthrax shots tainted with squalene. Squalene is an oil produced in the human liver as well as in the shark's liver. If you eat it, on a salad, it's supposedly safe, but if it gets injected in your bloodstream, it turns your whole immune system upside down. I'm writing this letter to suggest to make another one of your outstanding movies. Educate the public. See what really is behind the military and how they lied to us all along. My health is shot. I do not know how much time I have left. I try to make the best of it, but I want others to know what is really going on in our military. So their children have a way of knowing what they're getting into when they sign their lives away to our government to become a GI. Here are some links, and then she gives these links, uh, and a printout. And please get back to me, and I will, because there's a lot we can do to help you. But I have done another film on this very topic. In fact, I've done three films. Gulf War Syndrome, Killing Our Own, Friendly Fire, and my latest, American Veterans, Forgotten and Betrayed. I go into the squalene. I go into Gulf War Syndrome, in-depth. I go into the vaccines, in-depth. I show you dozens of completely healthy individuals prior to going into the service and what happened after they got their vaccines. All of them ended up diseased. I went to Washington, D.C., I filmed in legislators' offices in the House and the Senate. And you'll see that that these people don't call the military to task. 
there's a major cover-up in this, because if they had to acknowledge that they were knowingly using American soldiers as human guinea pigs, then the public would be outraged. But they don't. They don't tell the truth. But we do have those films, and I'll see that you get a complimentary copy of each one sent out to you tomorrow as also a protocol that can help you get back on your feet. I'm Gary Nall, back in a moment. Please stay with us. sharing a lot of insights about how we can live a longer and healthier life. This from our public health segment from Brian Shohavy of Health Impact News. Genetically tweaked chickens suffer from a lack of fertility. Is the end of the commercial poultry near. Quote, the Reuters story this week is reporting that the world's largest chicken breeder is suffering from rooster infertility due to genetic manipulation. The popular Ross male breed of roosters is used to produce as much as 25% of the nation's chickens raised for meat, the broilers. And uh, the team of scientists uh, took a look at this and found out that uh, that the breeder's genetic made the birds, quote, very sensitive to being overfed. Quote, we fed him too much. He got fat. When he got big, he did not breed as much as he was intended to. And uh, the fertilization went way down, and our hatch has been way down. Okay, the takeaway message. Well, you're manipulating an animal's DNA. So why be concerned when it can no longer produce what it once did? Also, this I thought was important. This is from Michael Snyder from um, Economic Collapse. It's called, Big Corporations Have an Overwhelming Amount of Power Over Our Food Supply. Quote, From our fields to our forks, huge corporations have an overwhelming amount of power over our food supply every step of the way. Right now, there are more than 318 million people living in the United States, and the job of feeding all those people is almost entirely in the hands of just a few dozen monolithic companies. If you do not like how our food is produced, or you don't believe that it's healthy enough, it isn't very hard to figure out 
who's to blame? These mammoth corporations are not in business to look out for the best interests of American people. Rather, the purpose of these corporations is to maximize wealth for their shareholders. So the American people end up eating billions of pounds of extremely unhealthy food that is loaded with chemicals and additives each year, and we just keep getting sicker and sicker as a society. But as these big corporations are raking in big profits, they don't really care. So if you actually have a, a capitalist system in this country, we would have a high level of competition in the food industry. But instead, the food industry has become increasingly concentrated with each passing year. Just consider the following. The U.S. agricultural sector suffers from abnormally high levels of concentration. Most economic sectors have a concentration ratios around 40%, meaning the top four firms in the industry control 40% of the market. If the concentration ratio is above 40%, experts believe competition can be threatened and market abuses are more likely to occur. The higher the number, the bigger the threat. Well, here it is then. Four companies own 88% of the beef market. The top four firms own 66% of the hog industry. The top four firms control 58% of the broiler chicken industry. In the seed industry, four companies control 50% of the proprietary seed market and 43% of commercial seed worldwide. When it comes to genetic engineering crops, just one company, Monsanto, boasts over 85% of U.S. corn acreage and 91% of soybean acreage. When so much power is concentrated in so few hands, it creates tremendous dangers. And many of these giant corporations such as Monsanto, are extremely ruthless. Small farmers all over America are being wiped out and forced out of business by the predatory business practice of these huge companies. And because farmers rely on both buyers and sellers for their business, concentrated markets squeeze them at both ends. Seller, sellers with high market power can inflate the prices of machinery, seeds, fertilizers, and other goods that farmers need for their farms, while powerful buyers, such as processors suppress the prices farmers are paid. The razor-thin profit margins on which farmers are forced to operate often push them to get big or get out, expanding into mega operations or exiting the business altogether. And of course, the control that big corporations have over our food supply does not end at the farms. The distribution of our food is also highly concentrated. And uh, for example, it was recently reported that Nestle's is running a massive bottle operation on a drought-stricken Indian reservation in California. Among the windmills and creosote bushes of the San Gorgonio Pass, a nondescript beige building stands flanked by water tanks. A sign at the entrance displays the logo, Arrowhead 100% Mountain Spring Water. With water flowing from a snowy mountain, semi-trucks uh, rumble in and out through the gates, carrying load after load of bottled water. The plant, located on the Morongo Band of Mission Indians Reservation has been drawing water from wells alongside a spring in Millard Canyon for more than a decade. But as California's drought deepens, some people in the area question how much water the plant is bottling and whether it's right to sell water for profit in a desert region where springs are rare and underground aquifers have been declining. Nestle doesn't stop to ask whether it's right or wrong to bottle water in the middle of the worst drought in the recorded history of the state of California. They have the legal right to do so, and they are making large profits doing it. And so they are just doing it and keep doing it. Perhaps you're thinking they can avoid, you can avoid all these corporations by eating organic and by shopping at natural food stores. Well, it isn't necessarily that easy. According to author 
Manoa Halter, the health food industry is also extremely concentrated. Over the past 20 years, Whole Foods Market has acquired its competition, including Wellspring Grocery, Bread of Life, Bread and Circus, Food for Thought, and Fresh Fields, Wild Oats Markets, and others. Today, the chain dominates the market because it has no national competitor. Over the past five years, its gross sales have increased by 47% to almost $12 billion and its net to $465 million. And one way it's achieved its profitability is by selling conventional food under the false illusion that they are better than products sold at a regular grocery store. Consumers falsely conclude that these products have been screened and are better, and they're willing to pay a higher price. Yeah, well, that's true. And, uh, in fact, Walmart, if you can believe it, actually purchases a billion pounds of beef every year. So next time someone asks you where the beef is, you could tell them it's at Walmart. And on the restaurant side, the 10 largest fast food corporations count 47% of all fast food sales. So that's a concentration of food. So what is the solution? The solution is to stop before you support any of the box stores like Walmart, Kmart, or Whole Foods, and instead support local grown producers. Go to the farmer's market, the food co-ops, you know, there and the local small health food stores. That's where you can buy all that you need. And more often than not, it's locally grown. And that's important. Now, let's go over and say hello to Philip. Hi, Philip. Your call. Hi, Gary. Um, my question is, um, about uh, carbon monoxide, I have a um, <clears throat> good friend that um, was uh, several years ago ended up getting carbon monoxide poisoning, and uh, they were not uh, for some reason. The I think they do hyperbaric or something as part of the uh, sort of getting that eliminating that from the body, but that was not done. And uh, so it kind of re- was, you know, remained in a sense in, in them, and they've had, uh, you know, various issues since then. Um, and they were a very healthy person at the time, still still are, but but not where they were. Um, what would you recommend that can um, clean help clean that out of the body and the blood and so forth at this point if there is something that would work? Well, there's nothing in the body at this point that comes and goes very fast. But the damage lasts a long time. So what you want to do is you want to try to create a highly alkaline uh, system and give what are called methyl donors. Do you know what methyl donors are? I do not. Okay, well, things like vitamin E, tocotrienols, uh, dimethylglycine, trimethylglycine, and then your oxygen supporters such as NADH, SAMe, coenzyme Q10, coenzyme A. So that's what I would suggest. And the more oxygenating food, meaning live food, raw food, enzymatic-rich food, the better it would be as well. So living, live, enzymatically rich, that's what you want. Lots of juices. And then that will help the system. And that will help the person. Okay, all the best. Luann Panessi is next. Hi, Luann. Um, I've gotten quite a few emails about a piece that was done on 60 Minutes this evening. 
And the piece was about how multi-billionaires have created this club where they donate up to 50% of their profits to quote-unquote charities. So they come out looking like heroes or do-gooders, and um, yet their charity money is going to things like vaccinating third-world countries in order to make what they're calling global change, when you actually look at where this charity money is going to. And one, one woman emailed me and said, aren't these the same companies who have 100% of tax exemptions? They don't pay any taxes. It would make more sense for them to pay that flat tax that you're always talking about rather than create these ridiculous clubs. And she says, it turned my stomach to hear this garbage only because I'm so much more aware of the truth behind what these TV stations are trying to convince us is informative programming. So I didn't know if you want to comment on that. Yes, it's not uncommon for uh, the ultimate corporate uh, spokesperson in the media, Charlie Rose, uh, to do a segment on 60 Minutes that is going to lack all critical insight and uh, to do no homework. For example, you actually have an increase in polio due to the vaccines, not a decrease. Uh, the only place you're going to get the polio in the United States is not the wild virus, it's through the vaccinations. There has never been science showing and proving to any gold standard with a double-blind placebo-controlled study where one group of people are vaccinated, another group not, then follow them. Uh, this has never been done. But this is the same Bill Gates who has been a major propagandist for, uh, for limiting the number of people on Earth and suggesting in one very infamous um, video cast, I think it, it might have been at the TED conference or one like that, that um, you could easily do that by putting the contraceptive in vaccines. And indeed, there has been now evidence that contraception has been a part of vaccines given in India and in Africa. You're cause, kidding. No, that cause women to become sterile. This is not unusual. And, but there is no evidence, I mean not a scintilla of evidence, that all of the Gates Foundation money has gone towards this. This is also the same Gates Foundation that supports genetic engineering, that owns, I believe they bought 200,000 uh, shares of stock of Monsanto, that is also the Gates Foundation that wants to be, a, that is a part of this global initiative of, of food security in Africa. But the real meaning of this is you go in, you work with governments, you get large tracts of land, you displace the indigenous people there, which could be hundreds of thousands of people living there, and then you turn it into a commercial factory farm where only genetically engineered seeds are used. So everywhere this man goes, he breeds misinformation. This is the example of the woman on the show who used the Gates and, and, and polio as an example of how important it is to let the very rich, the billionaires... Uh, sponsor things because they know best. And one of the guys said, it wouldn't it be right to have people really know what they're doing? Well, show me someone who is very rich who knows what they're doing when it comes to helping the poor, helping the infrastructure, and changing things. What you have is these are people, in my opinion, my personal opinion, these are sociopaths. And I've seen them. Uh, they are extremely disturbed people. But in our society, they are also smart enough to give their profits to foundations that they control. They then work out marriages with 
pharmaceutical companies or other companies uh, that keep their profit coming in because then they own these things and then they have the media behind them. The media does not challenge them. So it was just a propaganda piece. Yeah, it sounds like it. I also have another article here that someone sent me. This is interesting. Thousands of containers fall off ships every year. What happens to them? And this came from the Huffington Post. There's five to six million shipping containers crossing the sea at any time. And the United States imports more stuff this way than any other country. That's nearly 20 million rectangular metal boxes a year that include anything from toxic chemicals to Cheetos. And it says, since the blustery sea is indifferent to our humanly possessions, it's estimated that thousands of containers are lost every year along international shipping routes due to big waves or wind gusts. Some of them wash up on shore, but what happens to the containers that land at the bottom of the sea? No one really knew. So now, researchers at the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute have been studying these containers for years after stumbling upon them. (laughs) on the ocean floor. Can you imagine this? I, I, I've never heard of this before, but you can have all these toxic chemicals sitting at the bottom of the ocean, and if after time the box carton erodes, toxic chemicals could be then spewing into our ocean. Well, it's actually redundant because we right now have 24-7 toxic water, radioactive water, going into the Pacific Ocean and then being carried by waves in circular patterns up to Alaska and down the west coast of California. We've had the largest die-off of fish in the world history in a, since at least since we've been recording it in the last two years. We also have, according to Dr. Sherman, we have a spike in infant deaths on the west coast. We have radiation type of diseases being suffered by whales, by uh, uh, walruses, by sea lions uh, that we've never seen before. And now they have caught fish in Canada that are shown and proven to have radioactive contamination. And yet because of not wanting to cause an international scandal, they continue to deny all this. So the public's interest, the public's health is secondary. There's also an epidemic of of thyroid cancer or thyroid precancer in the children in Japan. And one of the people, Arnie Gunderson, who I interviewed, said that in 1,200 separate locations around Tokyo, the most congested city in on the planet, 40 million people live there, and it's a relatively small area, no matter where he went. If he went onto a rooftop and took a sample, it was contaminated. If he took it at a children's playground, it was contaminated. If he took it off of uh, someone's uh, flower box on their, or the balcony, it was contaminated. It's all contaminated, and, and that's the reality. Now, why isn't it that we haven't heard this? We've heard and seen photographs of a sample being, a Geiger counter being put down on the ground. What you didn't see is what a whistleblower told us, and that is that they go into an area and they'll clean up about 15 feet of dirt. They'll dig down, they'll get a foot down. So when they do go in with the Geiger counter, they already know it's not going to register. But that's just right in that spot because they've cleaned up the contaminated soil. But if you put it on the soil right beside that hole that they've made, but they don't show you the hole they've made. This is all criminal behavior. Because here's the downside. If we told the truth that the water system, the aquifer, 
especially that that feeds their rice area, has been fully contaminated because when radiation goes through a tank, it doesn't stop. It won't stop for steel or lead. Um, uh, there's no liner that can really prevent it from stopping. So it's going to go till it reaches a point where it's either uh, dispersed or whether it's carried away, and that would be an aquifer, an underground water. And we know that there's underground aquifers under Fukushima, and it carries that radiation uh, wherever the water goes. Now then, you have to have all the people in the government working in cooperation, which we have seen, and the people with TEPCO, completely criminal operation, in lying to the public repeatedly and being caught in those lies, covering up the worst of the events. And now, what do you do with over 100 million people? Where do you put them? What would happen to the economy, which is the third largest economy in the world? You would collapse it overnight because then people wouldn't buy any of the food, which they shouldn't anyhow. Uh, they wouldn't buy a lot of the other things because radiation, once it gets into a product that's manufactured, can't get out of that product. If it's a car, if it's a computer, but who's testing a car or a computer uh, for radiation? No one. But if the minerals that you're using, if the iron ore you're using, if it's if it's drawn from that country, you got problems. If it comes in from another country, like Brazil, that's a different story. And Japan is a resource short. It doesn't have natural resources. Uh, but they lie constantly about everything. Now, mind you, you got to understand something. We're not dealing with a few people who are um, fearful of panicking the public and causing them to flee the country, causing the real estate market to crash, causing their economy to be severely hurt. You're talking about a culture uh, that, A, has been highly misogynist. Women have been brutalized in Japan. But let us not forget what the Japanese did against the Chinese and the rape of Nanking. That's a real story. That happened. And that was part of the culture of dehumanizing other people by raping and killing the women or impregnating them. It's, it's primordial. It's disgusting. That mindset, that, that mindset of elitism and racism that permeates many people in the power structure that is still existing there. Now, we've, I brought in, as you know, to New York for the premiere of Knocking on the Devil's Door, our deadly nuclear legacy, the, the Ralph Nader of Japan, uh, who's a woman. And she went into great detail about how there has not been a popular uprising because of how ruthless the Japanese government is, and how they use their police forces against protesters, and especially women protesters. You're shamed. Your husband is shamed. If a, if a wife demonstrates against anything, no matter how legitimate, suddenly the whole, you know, the, the corporation where the husband works is shaming him. So there's all this, you must not question authority, you must do what you're told, you must work yourself to death. In fact, Japan is the only country in the world that actually has a word, an actual expressive word for working yourself to death. Not the leaders, not the rich, not the 1%, but the people who make them powerful and wealthy. So at some point, we should have an awareness that the world is being poisoned, the oceans are being poisoned, the skies are poisoned because they have been lying from day one. They're not willing to do the right thing and bring in the best scientists in the world, all over the world, because they don't want to lose any control over it. And because also the nuclear industry 
doesn't want the whole nuclear industry closed down. Now they're trying to reopen two more plants. So you see having a couple containers or 1,000 containers or 5,000 containers on the ocean floor that may or may not have something radioactive when we already have an ocean that has got so much plastic debris in it that is three times the size of Texas, where we already have an ocean that has over 400 dead zones. I filmed one dead zone for my documentary on our dying planet on uh, at the base of the Mississippi that's larger than the size of New Jersey. That's all due to the excess use of nitrogen fertilizer that flows in the Mississippi and ends up uh, out into the Gulf of Mexico. But this is also true in India. It's true in and uh, Africa. It's true in South America. So people have been using all of our waterways as if they were open sewers. And the Russians are one of the worst because they've been using their nuclear facilities and their nuclear arms port where all that's leaking right into the Arctic. So you can't find a body of water on the planet that's clean. All of it has some contaminants. And we should be making this a major project. But we don't. Instead, we put priorities on other issues and not the ones that are really capable of causing us a lot of problems. Hope that answers the question. It sure does. And by the way, if people want to email me, um, my email is whnn at aol.com. W-H-N like Nancy, N like Nancy at aol.com. Okay, thank you, Luann. And I will talk tomorrow about The Curse of American Exceptionalism by John Atchison. I'll also talk about black seed oil. It's good for cancer. And I'll explain that in detail. We have a lot to share on tomorrow's show. I want to thank you all for listening. Look forward to sharing more tomorrow. Have a nice day. Coming up, and the world is in.